Hello everyone and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication, but Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again, and here I am once more on a new phase of the journey to examine each of the endings of the works of Stephen King, to determine whether or not he deserves his reputation for having an inability to successfully land his endings. The focus of the podcast will be to examine the climax, the falling action, and the resolution of the endings to each of his novels and break it down by character themes, conflicts, and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I will also weigh in on whether or not I happen to personally like the ending. Today, I'm here to discuss the ending of The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Okay, Wikipedia. I'm going to talk about the Wikipedia summary so that I have a basis upon which I can build the analysis for the conclusion of this novel. The story is set in motion by a family hiking trip during which Trish's brother Pete and mother constantly squabble about the mother's divorce. Divert. Okay, I can say this word. Um, about the mother's divorce from their father, as well as other topics. Trisha falls back to avoid listening and is therefore unable to find her family again after she wanders off the trail to take a bathroom break. Trying to catch up by attempting a shortcut, she slips and falls down a steep embankment and ends up hopelessly lost, heading deeper into the heart of the forest. She is left with a bottle of water, two Twinkies, a boiled egg, celery sticks, a tuna sandwich, a bottle of Surge, a poncho, a Game Boy, and a Walkman. She listens to her Walkman to keep her mood up, either to learn of news of the search for her or to listen to the baseball game featuring her favorite player and heartthrob Tom Gordon. As she starts to take steps to survive by conserving what little food she has with her and consuming edible flora, Trissa's family return to their car without her and call the police to start a search. The rescuers search the area around the path, but not as far as Trisha has gone. The girl decides to follow a creek because of what she read in the Little House on the Prairie, though it soon turns into a swamp-like river, rationalizing that all bodies of water eventually lead to civilization. As the cops stop searching for the night, she huddles up underneath a tree to rest. Eventually, a combination of fear, hunger, and thirst causes Trisha to hallucinate. She imagines several people from her life, as well as her hero, Tom Gordon, appearing to her. It's left unclear whether increasingly obvious signs of supernatural events in the woods are also hallucinations. Hours and days soon begin to pass, with Trisha wandering further into the woods. Eventually, she begins to believe she is headed for a confrontation with the God of the Lost, a wasp-faced evil entity who is hunting her down. Her trial becomes a test of a nine-year-old, girl, nine-year-old girl's ability to maintain sanity in the face of seemingly certain deaths. Racked with pneumonia and near death, she comes upon a road, but just as she discovers signs of civilization, she is confronted by a bear, which she interprets as the god of the lost in disguise. Facing down her fear, she realizes it's the bottom of the ninth, and she must close the game. In imitation of Tom Gordon, she takes a pitcher's stance and throws her Walkman like a baseball, hitting the bear in the face and startling it enough to make it back away. Make it back away. A hunter who has come upon the confrontation between the girl and the beast frightens the beast away and takes Trisha to safety, but Trisha knows that she has earned her rescue. Trisha wakes up in a hospital room. She finds her di- her divorced parents and older brother waiting near her bedside. A nurse tells the girl's family that they must leave so that Trisha can rest because her numbers are up and we don't want that. Her father is the last to leave. Before he does, Trisha asks him to hand her a Red Sox hat autographed by Tom Gordon, and she points towards the sky, just as Tom Gordon does as he closes a game. 
All right, so what's the criteria for a good ending? Um, does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that is consistent with the characters' actions, conflicts, or themes from the book? Well, yes. Um, the entire story succeeds or fails because of King's character work. If you don't care about Trisha, you don't care about her plight, and therefore you don't care if she makes it out safely. There's really not much to say about it. The entire story from beginning to end is a short but packed examination of the trials of this one character in a horrific, truly terrifying situation. King gives us a victorious ending, one in which our nine-year-old protagonist defeats the threat of the natural, of the supernatural, of the metaphor for broken families and bad parenting. She undergoes the trials that are beyond her control, controls what she can, pushes with pure willpower when her body begins to fail, and rejects giving herself over to the god of the lost. Yes, it is an appropriate conclusion to the characters that is consistent with the characters' actions, conflicts, and themes of the book. Does it successfully wrap up the plot? Specifically, do the events build upon one another with consistency? Yes. Due to its simplicity, it boils down to one or two possible endings. Either Trisha is going to make it out of the woods, or she's not. Then you start to break down the hows and the whys of these scenarios. Is she rescued? No, not entirely. Not before she escapes on her own. Had she been rescued by a helicopter and paramedics halfway through the book? It's a letdown. But here, King ratchets up the tension. He teases civilization. Like a wanderer in a desert, inching closer to a glass of water, she is close to salvation. And it's why at that particular moment that makes for the inclusion of the bear slash god of the lost to be so effective. It's the moment when Jason or Freddy pops back up after the heroine thinks that he's dead. And though a hunter finds her, she's the one who defeats the bear. She's the one who throws the Walkman. She takes matters into her own hands, literally. So, from a plot perspective, yes, King builds that plot so effectively. Does it serve the theme, symbolism, and motifs? Yes. I've already touched upon it before, but she stands up to the metaphors made real in her life. The wilderness is just a metaphor for the turbulence and uncertainty in her life in the wake of her parents' divorce and her father's unreliability. So yes, her throwing uh, the Walkman, the shared love of the game between father and daughter at the embodiment of her parents' failure is sim simultaneously an act of throwing that failure back at them and reclaiming her life as her own. What is the most famous scene in the novel, and does it appear in the conclusion of the story? I don't know if there are any famous scenes. Um... This kind of falls under the um, the category that other um, Stephen King stories have that haven't been adapted yet. Um, there are, you know, there are moments that are have um, that have soaked into our collective unconscious um, because of the ubiquity of the scenes as they play out across the pop cultural tapestry. Um, whether it be The Shining, whether it be Misery, whether it be Stand By Me, whether it be It, what have you. Um, you know, but then, then there are the, the novels and the novellas and the short stories that haven't been granted the, the uh, adaptation yet. So they haven't had that same platform to, to play out upon. Um, so I don't know. I don't know in, in terms of the Stephen King fandom as this novel currently exists if um, there are famous scenes. Um, there's not one that really sticks out for me. I don't know if anything sticks out for you. Um, but if you have any thoughts, please write into Stephen King Cassidy at yahoo.com.
Are there other factors that we need to consider? So I would say that King's two biggest complaints um, that he has among his critics and his fans are that his novels tend to not end well, which was the basis of, of this current phase of the Stephen King cast, and that his novels are too long, that there's so much fat, that there's too much backstory that isn't necessary. Um, you know, I, I think that if anything, the the focus of the podcast over the last year with the examination of the endings, um, you know, shows that the endings actually are effective based on the questions that we are posing and breaking down the endings. So that criticism, I, I don't fully buy in. And the other criticism, um, I, I just, I don't agree with. I don't agree that um, the... The, the longer the book means the worse the book is. Um, and in this case, um, he, he, uh, he removes even the potential for that argument. It's short. This is a short, mean, lean little uh, story that gets in, gets out quickly without overstaying its welcome. So he, he really removes the, uh, the, um, that, that argument. And... Um, this very much feels like a you know like a Y King doing his his version of a YA novel. Um, again, I'm surprised that in the the boom of the YA novels, you know, around 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, why this wasn't picked up and championed? Probably because around that time, going back to the the point of why I started the Stephen King cast. King had fallen out of favor in the pop culture um, hierarchy. So well, there's the answer, okay? Um, I know that it's optioned now, and I look forward to seeing an adaptation. I think that this could be, I think that it could be done really, really well. Okay, so do I like the ending? Yes, I do like the ending. Is it a good ending for all the reasons that we talked about? Yes, it is a good ending. So here we are. We are at, I happen to like 28 out of 30 endings, and objectively speaking, 27 out of 30 endings have been objectively good. So King's on a pretty good track record here. Um, okay, so, uh, oh, I don't, I don't know if those numbers are going to hold up with uh, next week's episode, which is Dreamcatcher. Uh, so... Um, if you have any thoughts on uh, The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon or next week's episode, Dreamcatcher, please write into stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. And may you have long days and pleasant nights, and I will see you here next week where M-O-O-N spells Stephen Kingcast.